0: Okay, welcome to this edition of Eventwellcast. Um, we're going to be chatting about mental health first aid today. My name is Helen, um, Helen Moon, CEO of um, Eventwell. I'm joined today by Caroline Cronin, the very lovely Carolyn, um, our head of fundraising and trustee at Eventwell, and also fellow mental health first aid champion, which we met on a first day course, didn't we? Mental health we did, first aid course. We did, we <laughs> did. And then realised we both worked in the events industry. Yep. And then realised that we lived five minutes away from each other.
1: I know. It was meant to be, Helen. It was meant to be. It was,
0: exactly. Everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Yes. Um, we are also joined today by the very, very lovely Gavin Percy of Balancing Edges, our mental health first aid trainer and instructor. How are you doing, Gavin?
2: Very good, thank you. Nice to see you.
0: Yes, you too. We've known each other for a while as well, haven't we, Kevin?
2: We have, yeah. Deep distant past.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um our our topic today is mental health first aid. Um, on a slightly more kind of not so much I wanna say serious topic, but yes, serious topic because it it's it's something that we're all aware of in the industry. It's uh, something that a lot of companies and employees, and employers, sorry, and businesses are adopting for their teams. But what we'd, we wanted to chat more about today was, was how mental health first aid is being implemented into organizations, and um, whether it's uh, just a standalone maybe a little bit don't like to say it, maybe a little bit of a box ticking exercise or whether it's being incorporated into an organization and that investment to be made into um teams as part of a wider organization proactive approach to mental health and well-being within their teams so guys what are your opening thoughts on this
1: um my opening thoughts so yeah it's really interesting so i'm a me- mental health first aider as you said helen and um Going into that training, I wasn't really too sure what to expect. And uh, the kind of the catalyst for having the training was I just started a new job. Um, I'd always been quite personally invested in wellness, mental health issues because of my own mental health struggles with anxiety, and uh, I suggested it to my new company. And it was something they, would like a lot of businesses, I think, something they'd thought about but never quite got around to implementing. So I think the first thing is you need someone to really drive it internally. Um, they then paid for me to go on the training and the training was, you know, incredibly insightful. It made me think about things in a different way. But, um, the biggest challenge for me was then taking it back to the business and working out, how do I actually implement this on a day-to-day basis? And how do I make it clear to everyone that I work with what this means for my role, what the role of a mental health first aider is in actual practice? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That was a big challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, I, I kind of see it from a slightly different angle because I see it from the trainer angle and mm-hmm. what I see and, and when I speak to delegates after they've done what Caroline did and you, and you did Helen, go away and try and implement it um, I get massive mixed reactions from delegates some of them say you know it's really um, the company has embraced it, and they've really gone with it. Others feel like they've fallen off the edge of a cliff. Basically, there's no support, there's no uh, nothing in place in the company uh, to make sure that it's actually driven home, if you like, and, and, and mm. means something. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think this is to do with with company culture. You know, you mentioned t- t- a box-ticking exercise, and there there are yep. companies out there, and that's what they're doing. We need a we need a mental health. Uh, um, policy uh, let's put one in place and someone's given the job to do it oh yeah we need to stick a couple of first aiders in well yes. that's not going to solve the problem it, it's, it's got to be more proactive than that it's got to be more involving than that uh, and it has to go right through the whole organization and, and actually mean something uh, mm. and in fact Deloitte did a Deloitte did a very um, detailed analysis of cost-benefit analysis of of mental health training yeah. and found that um proactive um Dealing proactively with mental health in the workplace is a one return. Uh, so, for every pound you spend, you get six pound back to the business. So, it's it's yeah. so it's not a cost; it's an investment. And I think companies need to wake up and, and see that. Um, obviously, I'm going to say that I'm dying because it gives me <laughs> it helps me. <laughs> but no, I think it's, yeah. I genuinely think it's true. I'm not saying this for my own benefit, but it it is genuinely true. I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I saw that Deloitte report that you're talking about, Gavin. It's quite interesting because I'm I'm also a mental health first aid champion. Um, I was trained up by Royal Greenwich Heritage Trust, which is the organization I work for on a part-time basis as a marketing communications manager. And what they've done in terms of approaching mental health first aid is that they have a wider policy in terms of mental health and well-being across the organization. They have one mental health first aid trainer. It's quite a small company. There's only 16 employees. And then each member of their leadership team has been trained up as mental health first aid champion. And then everybody in the organization has been on a mind workplace wellbeing um, and mental health training. So it yep. was part of a, a, a wider structure, wider That's- organization.
2: I mean, that's what I try and get companies to do, because I think if yeah. if they start off with the first aider course mm-hmm. and do maybe five to 10 percent of the employees on that, and then they do another five to 10 percent on the champion course, mm-hmm. but then everybody to go in the awareness course, yeah. uh, the, ha- the half day awareness course, because without that, you've not got the plank on which to build the foundations upon. You need yeah. that basic level of understanding throughout the business so there's it gets rid of the stigma people are more willing to talk they understand that if they talk they're going to get listened to and if you get listened to it won't be um, brushed under the carpet or it won't cause them disciplinary problems which is one of the big issues that people have that they think they're going to be seen as not being effective or efficient and so they're not going to tell anybody because they think they're going to lose their jobs so all of that stigma um, and pressure goes away um, if, if you have people trained at all levels within the organization um, and it's been proven that, that, that uh, the Deloitte report's one example but there's lots of examples of, of uh, yeah. evidence to show that that investment pays itself back.
0: Yeah. And that return on investment in the Deloitte report was from a leadership level, it was a six yes. to one ratio investment. So that's six pound back for every pound spent, just investing yes. in your leadership team. From a, our from a whole organisation approach, it, we went up to eight to one. So that's mm. like eight pound back for every pound spent in that report. You know That is a massive, massive investment because you've got to think about productivity. Yeah, you, absenteeism and presenteeism, yep. which are massive, massive problems in the workplace, and particularly at the moment with everything that's going on. And particularly at the moment, that presenteeism, when you've got a lot of people working from home, or not it's not its not really working from home as we know it really, it's trying to do their work in their house, or mm. their flat, or their home, it's, it, it's very different. So it's a big, big issue in the industry in regards to that.
2: And uh, just creating office... that awareness talking about that subject as well i think there is an issue um across the country about lack of consistency about how people are dealing with the situation um, yeah. currently you know the return to work issue mm-hmm. i don't think people seeing that as an issue but I, or that's not fair some companies are not seeing that as an issue, um, and I think they need to, because there's, there's a huge uh, culture shock for people going back to work again. Whether they've been furloughed or not furloughed, um, it's a culture shock, and, and it's going to affect the, the mental health of some some of their employees. But that needs to be dealt with in a consistent manner th- across the business. I don't think it is being. Um, no. so, so that's just an, a side issue, just... into a head where you were talking about about going back to work there so
0: yeah absolutely and there's there's also as well caroline isn't it because you'll you'll know this along with me the issue of um whether you're on furlough because obviously my my role with rght is on furlough at the moment um so that means i'm a a mental health first aid champion that's on furlough so as an organization like that that would the majority of their team are on furlough and they've probably got team members that are struggling as a result of it if you're also a mental health first aid champion it's on furlough you can't support those people but then there's the added complexity of the way we were trained as mental health first aid champions isn't conducive in a digital zoom type format at all
1: well no i mean it's so much of it you know is based on kind of you know and, you know, anticipating and picking up on certain behavior, certain behaviors, you know, is this person quieter than normal, you know, are the behaviors changing in a way that could be concerning. And how do we pick up on that if we're not all working in the same building is quite difficult. Um, and that's the biggest challenge with it, really, because it's quite nuanced. And that's why you need the training to understand what those indicators are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, doing it in a virtual environment is, is very, very difficult other than, you know, asking direct questions. But as we know, asking direct questions doesn't always work because not everybody going through something knows how to talk about it.
0: Yeah. And it's much easier, I think, in a digital format and a Zoom call for, for someone to be able to to put the like put their window up, kind of say, put their mm-hmm. car window up in front of them. And kind of so you see it, you kind of see a different person. It's, it's very poker face i suppose is the best way yeah. to describe it it's, it's much easier on a video call for you to be able to do that words in a face-to-face format as a as a first aider or a champion you, you pick up on those cues that come from body language and signals so while people are able to put a cloak over their face that they're not able to do it in exactly the same way with the the way they hold themselves and their body language and stuff all all those cues and stuff that we were mm. Well,
2: can't you're only seeing that. you're only seeing head and shoulders generally yeah. as well, so you, you don't get the full body language uh, so. messages that you would get on a in a meeting face to face or uh, them walking around the office. Um, so th- picking up on body language is a subconscious thing often, but it, you know if you can't see the body, how you pick up on the body language is very difficult. Uh, so it is more difficult. And I think yes, you're right. directing direct acting, direct questions is 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 a way of doing that, but then generally you're in a meeting with lots of other people when you're seeing them so you it's it's more difficult to then say could i have another call with you just to chat through things and you know that may not be very easy to do and then Mm. you've got the difficulty then of of addressing the question and if they want to hide it from you it's much easier to hide it on a zoom call one-to-one or through a meeting than it is at other times so um it is very difficult
0: yeah yeah very difficult and how have you suddenly uptake gavin in terms of you know people showing an interest in mental health first aid people wanting to still train the, the, the guys and their teams? And
2: um, until very recently the, the first aid course wasn't available online but that is now available online so I've only just started promoting that um, so I haven't, I haven't got a straight answer for you to be honest with you but I, I think the online course is actually going to be very good even when we're back to normal whatever normal is mm-hmm. um, because um, it, it's it's a two day course. So it's quite a lot of commitment for people to have two days out. The on day course, um, the online course on day, the online course <laughs> is a much easier uh, format. It's four sessions of about two and a half hours uh, for open for um, active learning, um, and it's another. Sort of uh, three, four, four and a half hours worth of of uh, self-learning, which they can do in their own time. So it's not so much of a commitment. It's easier to get the time off to do it. And I think it might be it might be a very good format moving forwards. Um, although I do, I have to am a bit old-fashioned. I do like the face-to-face thing and and bouncing off people but you know it is the modern world so you've got to move with that and i think i think it will be it will be very good and the awareness course is available online has been available online for a little bit of time so that's the half day course and it's exactly the same format as the face-to-face course and the same content um and and that's been very popular um i've had a couple of courses in uh, during the furlough period um but obviously a lot of staff are on furlough and um you know are difficult to get hold of or um, are not inclined to do training courses companies don't want to pay for anything at the moment so the, the, there's a there's a mixed bag to be honest with you there's a mixed reaction out there as to whether it's going to get busier or quieter um but obviously i would say you need to you need to be doing it for the reasons we said at the very start of this call really um yeah um, to, it's an investment rather than a cost
0: yeah it is and i think that's a big challenge isn't it it's getting people to recognize that this is not this is not a benefit it's not an add-on we're talking about basic human need here which yep. is to be healthy to feel safe and, and and to feel well it's actually it's a basic human need it's right at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy it's right, right. down there at the bottom so this isn't this isn't Benefits. It's not it's not things to do after you've finished work or at the weekend. Is the kind of stuff I tend to say about it. This is this is essential stuff. Everybody has a right to have access to a mental health first aider. Um, in a, a lot of our views, isn't it? They have the right to access to a mental health first aider in the same way that they have the right to access to a physical health first aider. Um,
2: and it's also creating the right environment in the company where they feel that they can take advantage of that because having it there isn't enough no. because then it is a tick box exercise what, what it needs to be is the atmosphere needs to be there to create the will and the desire um and the freedom uh to make that approach um to say look i'm not feeling myself i need to have a chat with somebody um and, and you know i i certainly know in my in my past i would i would very rarely have thought about doing that in companies that i've worked for um, mm. And you've worked for Helen in some cases. (laughs) It certainly wasn't the environment there, to be honest.
0: No, no. That's a whole new story, isn't it, Gavin, to be honest. But no, it certainly wasn't.
1: (laughs) I'm quite interested in your views on, you know, kind of touching on what Gavin just said, you know. So, you know, if there's somebody that's struggling in a business and in theory, you know, that person would feel comfortable approaching the mental health first aider to talk about however it is they're feeling, but you know, that's not always going to be the case because actually they might be going through something and feel closer emotionally to their manager or their fret or, you know, their, their, their peer. Um, so I think it's quite interesting depending on the, the, not even the scale of the business, just the type of the business, the setup and whether it also has an HR function or doesn't, what that mental health first aider role actually looks like in, in practice. Um, and how they can feed in to all those other other channels. And I think establishing that probably looks quite different in every business. But I don't know, Gavin, if you've got thoughts on if there is a, an ideal best practice way of um, implementing it.
2: I think it's very difficult because it's very individual. I think yeah. every person's different and the way they want dealt, dealt with in a different way. And that's part of the skills of a mental health first aider is having that adaptability to deal with different requirements of different people. If you remember that window in the world um, thing that was on the course, you know, everyone's got a different view of the world. And um, I think that's really important to remember that and not have a cookie cutter solution because I think a cookie, to cut, cookie cutter solution will not suit um, some of the people um no. so so having having a, an adaptable method it's more about creating the atmosphere where people feel they can say something and how they say something and who they say something to should be up to them um and then those people need to be, able, be skilled enough to be able to deal with that and that might be referring them to somebody else within the business that has the right skills um, and that's another reason why you need in my view the mental health awareness for the whole team to make sure that they all have that level of knowledge and um, how to initially deal with a situation and then pass it on to somebody with the, with the more detailed skills if required.
0: Yeah so I, I look at it as well completely back that up Gavin I, mean, I look at it from two kind of perspectives so I look at it from the perspective of someone who has been trained up in mental health first aid so as a champion so what I do is I use that a way of creating a culture within the marketing team that we talk openly about mental health. I'm here to support you if you ever need me, but don't feel like you have to come to me. I can just signpost you to other professionals or, or whatever it might be that you need. And then I, there's also the consideration that a lot of employers need to think as well, because I, I talk very openly about this. I probably mention it every week on Worldcast I have bipolar. <laughs> I've had bipolar for a long time um, but because I've had bipolar for a long time and I'm managing a mental health condition I actually already have my support network in place and I already have my crisis plan in place mm. and unfortunately for um, and this will probably come as a surprise to some employees because they might not have actually thought about this but a lot of people who are already managing complex mental health um, conditions probably would not go to a mental health first aider for support because their crisis plan is already there they know exactly what they need to do and who they need to go and speak to to get the support that they need to manage their condition what were mental for me where mental health first aiders kind of come into play it, is for people who don't have those crisis plans in place so somebody yeah. maybe who's who's probably starting to struggle for the first time or those first initial kind of stages of experiencing um, their health is starting to deteriorate a little bit they're starting to struggle with their stress levels that they're, they're probably coming to the point where they're actually starting to, to experience depression or anxiety stuff like that for the first time particularly at the moment bearing in mind that the the climate that we're in mm. and and this is what a lot of employers understand that just because you have somebody employed in your in your business who has a mental health condition that you're aware of just um training a member of your team as a mental health first aider is not going to help that person with a mental health condition you'll probably find that they'll probably shy away from it it's the same for occupational health offering that as a benefit as well You, you will find that a lot of people with mental health conditions will not go to your occupational health um, and will feel uncomfortable talking to your occupational health because they're not the people that they normally talk to when they start to struggle. Their crisis plan—it's already set up for them. That's—it's already pretty much. All of this stuff is pretty much already in place with GPs and psychiatry um, support. So that's—that's that's already yeah, been. Talking therapy. Yeah. Talking therapy. So yeah. th- there's that. That I think that general lack of understanding in terms of mental health and how people. How mental health is managed in the community and people who are I'm, I'm, I'm under they call it care in the community i am so and i I'd switch between my gp care psychiatry care dependent on if i've experienced any episodes so at the moment i'm in my gp care and i'm not in my psychiatrist's care yeah. So it kind of switches depending on what happens. So it's that general you, understanding of that, isn't it?
2: If you remember the continuum, and people yeah. who are watching this may, may not know what we're talking about, but it's basically there's four quadrants: there's the um, no diagnosis, and 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 um, you know, no no no. Um, I'm medically well, I'm yep. mentally well. Then the next quadrant down is mentally unwell, no diagnosis, and the next quadrant across is mentally unwell um, with no diagnosis, with a, with a diagnosis, and then quadrant four is uh, with a diagnosis and mentally well which is where you probably are most of the time, Helen, and, that, yeah. and that's managed by yourself. Um, and you, but you are in quadrant three, sometimes in quadrant four. It's the quadrant, quadrant two yeah. that's the danger. That's yes. the one where mental health first aid comes in, uh, mm-hmm. where, it's, where you're mentally unwell, but not diagnosed. And, and, and it's recognizing you're in that situation and then recognizing you need to do something about it. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And I, I call it a, a, a vortex or a spiral. So you start off in that spiral and it's, it's, it's not too bad and you're managing it yourself you're getting better but but you're not really getting better you're just making more stress more worried and then mm. you, before you know it you're disagreeing down the plug hole and, you, and your your conditions are getting to see more serious and more serious and more serious and you're less likely to go and see about it so it's recognizing when you're at the top of the vortex and being able to do something about it and addressing it with them using mental health first aid techniques uh, yeah. to help them get into into quadrant three quadrant four uh, that's that's the key really
0: yes yeah and it is it's it, it's like I'm saying that employers understanding that kind of process and those quadrants and where different people sit at different times as well and how people can move around that quadrant
2: absolutely yeah and and being able to put things in place that recognize where where people are within those four quadrants and how they can support Mm. them with the right support whether it's mental health first aiders or whether it's other other supports uh, in the business where it's well simple as well-being strategies you know to get them from quadrant two back to quadrant one again um, Mm. by putting some well-being strategies in place there's all sorts of techniques that can be done
0: That's why I think it's so important that it's not just training up team members in mental health first aid. It's so important that at least senior management, leadership, you need to go on the mental health awareness course. You need to come and listen to all of this stuff to gain a, a, a better understanding of how complex mental health can be and exactly just taking it back to what you were saying earlier as well gavin isn't it this is a personal thing there is no cookie cutter solution for this it's very personal it's very individual in mental health and well-being it needs to be done on those those one-to-one individual levels you need to be having conversations with your your guys in terms of you know have an open conversation, what are your triggers, what do you find difficult, are there any stresses, can we be making changes, is there, can we be making adjustments in the workplace, remember that's law by the way, 2010 Equality Act, yeah. it's law to make reasonable adjustments in the workplace for anybody who has, um, struggling with their mental health and well-being, um, so it, it is isn't it, it's, it's at one-to-one individual level.
2: Yeah, but making this the, the the environment um within the business suitable for people who are able to then do something about it um as well so so it's 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 all about it's all about that culture within the business as far as i'm concerned Uh, that's where it should all start and you're right people should go on those courses and and uh all levels of the organization i'm talking ceo level down i don't think it's it should stop at senior management. it should go right to the very top to board level Mm -hmm. because otherwise that business is not going to be committed to making change
0: no it's not and you can't you can't have culture change unless everybody buys into yeah. the culture change which yeah, is difficult. i mean any I was, change just, like that is difficult and it's difficult to get everyone to buy into it but on this kind of level it won't happen unless they do
1: yeah i was just going to say that you know if you if a business decides you know just send one person that's maybe you know mid-management level on a on a course because you know they can't they feel like they can't afford to spend more it's it's ultimately a false economy because yeah. you know can that individual individual really affect any change internally? What are the, you know, it's all very well having this one person trained in it. Um, if you can't only legitimately afford one person, it needs to be somebody right at the top, because that individual will be the one that can affect change, can do things like, right, we need to re-onboard everybody now, everyone's coming back into the office. This is how we need to do it and this is why. Whereas if you've got somebody that's maybe not quite as influential internally, they'll have the know-how, but not the influence. It also becomes
2: reactive, Caroline, doesn't it as well? It 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 becomes a reactive process rather than a proactive process because they're waiting for something to happen rather than making something happen. Mm. And that's no disrespect to them. That's just their position within the business. They're not able to be proactive so much.
0: So yeah. at RGHT, the mental health first aider is a financial controller. So um <laughs> you can't from a from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. you can't have picked out the better person really to, true. to to be trained up in mental health first aid. Um as a financial controller, the one that holds the purse strings and makes the big financial decisions, you know? And mm-hmm. and and that's that's the secret to it, I think. That's that's the kind of thought process I think that goes that goes behind it yeah yeah Yeah. yeah yeah so what do you think in terms of kind of moving forward kind of thoughts to kind of finish on in terms of moving forward what what advice could we be offering out to to people listening to to this episode so that they'll then go to their guys and go oh listen great episode on mental health first aid you need to listen to it so they can go to their managers
2: teammates. i think it is so we've, we've kind mean? of said the important stuff i think the the first most important thing for me is making it cultural within the business and making it uh, something that the, the, the leaders of the business see it as an investment not as a cost those are the two things that i think yeah. go hand in hand really. the um, and, and if if they have that belief that spending the money is going to give them the return then it will become culture in the business because they'll, they'll, they'll want it to become cultural in the business. And uh, that's the key. And, and then they can, they can book courses through Eventwell and get people on their uh, mental health training <laughs> at different levels.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Nice and I look think... there, Gavin. like that one. <laughs> <laughs> smooth, so smooth. Um, and I think now is the perfect time to sell the concept of it internally because senior management, in every business will be concerned about how they're going to reintegrate people back in to their own individual new normal whatever that looks like they'll be concerned about how to do that um, whether it's the CEO or the HR department or whatever so if you're listening to this and you don't feel like your own business really has a hold on mental health training or has any kind of provision for it now is the time to sell it into them and to, to get them to understand, you know what, if you do this, this is really going to help with the ongoing reintegration of everybody back into this new environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And from, a, from an individual level, Caroline, do you want to share some thoughts with me in terms of, if anybody, did, what, what's the, the best thing for you about being trained up as a mental, uh, mental health first aid champion? What, was, what did you learn the most from it?
1: I think, um, as I always identified as somebody that was quite aware of mental health, given my own mental health struggles, but I think going on the training gave me more of a, like a robust toolkit, if you like, because, you know, oh, I sense the vibes of someone are a bit off, isn't really enough to kind of then understand how to action it or how to flag it to somebody else internally to then do something about it so i think for me before going on the training i didn't really understand you know i would be able to pick up that somebody was not quite right but i then didn't know what to do about it um and it also it gave me a lot more information about you know the i think the four quadrants that you were talking about gavin that was that was something that really opened my eyes in terms of whether you identify as being mentally well Um, but diagnosed. And and my trainer at the time, do you remember Helen, the trainer kind of talked us through his journey. And at the end he said, you know, what would you say I am? And we all said, uh, diagnosed mentally unwell. And he said, no, 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 I'm mentally well. I still have all of these ongoing issues that I will always have to fight with because of how my brain is wired, but I'm mentally well because I have the tools um, and the support network to get me through it. And that was a real eye opener for me because that's just not something I'd ever considered and i think that is a really interesting point because there'll be people out there struggling that don't want to think of themselves as being mentally ill inverted commas Mm
2: -hmm. and it's
1: not you know it doesn't have to be part of your identity forever it's just it ebbs and flows and you you can be mentally well yeah Uh,
2: yeah i think that's a very important point the recovery is probable not possible it's probable mental illness and a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't have knowledge of mental illness think you're mentally unwell forever um, and, and actually the recovery is is much more common uh, than, than non-recovery so yeah. uh, i think that's a very important point to to make
0: it's a massive important point to make it is one that i make regularly when i speak and i, I talk about bipolar it's one that i kind of say and I, I i will say to people you'll probably see me as somebody standing here who's mentally ill I don't see myself as someone who's mentally ill. I see myself as as a healthy person who has to manage a mental health condition. I I try and shy away as much as possible as calling it a mental illness. For me, it's a mental health condition. Um, And I have to manage it the same way someone would manage diabetes or asthma. Or if you turn around to someone with asthma, and, and and said oh but you're ill they'd be like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah, <'cause they laughs> I'm perfectly it. healthy I yeah. just have to use an inhaler and manage my asthma and then watch what I'm kind of doing so yeah. yes there's certain lifestyle elements that I've had to change but to be honest with you, things like i not drinking and stuff but to be honest with you alcohol never bought me anything of value anyway so it was very easy to stop it so it's, it's just make different lifestyle choices but I don't yeah. see myself as ill when I was first diagnosed it was it was very difficult. Um, but you go through that whole process, don't you? Kind of stuff of, of acceptance and bereavement, anger, yeah, yeah, bereavement, yeah, yeah. acceptance. Denial, accept yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, you know, my bipolar, it used to be a case where people would say, I am bipolar. Build kind of as a community, <laughs> we've kind of all started to to shy away from from using that expression to say I have bipolar in the same way I have asthma, I have diabetes, I have any other kind of illness. Do it in the same way. Bipolar does not make me who I am. I make me who I am. I just have to manage this thing. And for me, that's what it is. It's a thing, mm. and I just I just have to manage it in a certain way. Uh, we do have to watch
2: every people who are in that second quadrant where they they they've not accepted that. They yet. haven't
0: come to that. Yeah, and there's gonna be uh, lots they, of people.
2: They haven't taken got the support or the help yet to move yep. into three or four. Yep. So so that's that's the that's the danger and that's really where the mental health first aid comes in.
0: It is. And that's where, that's where that essential support comes in. Um and I think that's what is for me that as well personally, mm. that's what why mental health first aid is so important. Um, because I've been in that place where I, I, my support system wasn't in place and I hadn't worked all of that out and I didn't have people to talk to and I was one of those per- people that was frightened about what people would think of me or the perception people would have of me and there are so, so many people, especially in our industry, that are in that position yep. and that's why mental health first aid is so vitally important.
2: Indeed. Well, yeah. well, 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 summed up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, guys. That's okay. brought us to an end. So Lovely. great, mm-hmm. great chat. Look forward to seeing um, to seeing. No, this is a podcast. Look forward to um, people joining us next week for our next edition. Lovely. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks very much. Thanks Thank everyone. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.